Aloha Maui. Hello, this is Josh Porter. Jason Burkhart. Brian Thomas. And Julia Porter. Welcome to the show, folks. This is the Solar Coaster uh, in the midst of a, um, well, coronavirus world right now. I mean, we're all talking about kind of that big topic here. and um, But the uh, the renewable energy world and exploration of, of, of this new energy economy uh, goes forward. There are some impacts from the coronavirus. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but we got a cool show here today. This is episode 149. It's with a fella, his name is Sunit, calling in from Toronto uh, about ISP Solar. Now, this is a, uh, this is, I got to thank Gary Dolberg, uh, one of our sponsors, EnduroShield and Perfectly Clear Glass, for bringing this technology uh, to the Solar Coaster's fo- focus. Now, the uh, ISP Solar, they've developed this really amazing solar panel that actually internally tracks, if, you can, if that can make sense. Jay, when you saw this, what did you think? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm curious. There's, there's, there's a big desire out there to reduce the carbon footprint of the actual manufacturing of the solar panel yeah, and then um, transporta- transportation, et cetera, et cetera, because that's, once they're installed and in place, they don't really generate any more carbon emissions, right? And so that's, that's the reason why we all want them. But that manufacturing aspect can be really, really significant. And there's there's conversation that as solar really scales, that we're going to be making more emissions with the manufacturing of solar panels than like the entire aviation industry, which is a lot, right? And that's a different article <laughs> that I so, sent this morning to you. Yeah, so there's that great there's a relationship yeah. between this. And I did speak with Sunate this morning and kind of got a quick overview. We're going to hear all about it from him today, of course. Uh, but this conversation about how to, a couple of things. One of them is this carbon conversation. Um, and there's something like, uh, there's a very small fraction of the amount of silicon in a traditional uh, solar module in this versus the traditional solar module. So there is where right, that something kind of like twenty percent. So yeah. it's it's pretty it's pretty decent. Very interesting stuff. And then also you have a conversation about uh, costs. So it's you know it's reducing the costs of of creating solar panels. And now we're in a world where costs have come down considerably. But from the perspective of uh, of a community that doesn't have a lot of resources, gaining access to solar could this be a solution for for uh, communities around the world uh, to achieve you know renewable energy or energy independence at a much even lower cost. So you have a couple. Of conversation going on with that i love seeing this type of technology and it's always so exciting to uh to see things that i hadn't thought of and no completely off my radar the idea of a internal panel tracking module hadn't thought about that very much there was something else a while back jay remember that one that like a uh, molecular one that was doing something similar so we'll get a chance to dig into that it's gonna be a lot of fun uh and a couple of other cool things too a lot happening in news and events you guys ready to get started Let's do it. All right, here we go, folks. Hey, uh, welcome to the Solar Coaster, folks. This is, uh, we are a renewable energy theme talk show right here in lovely Maui County. It can be found Fridays at 105 p.m. on Ko'oi, 1110 a.m. Also some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry www.solar-coaster.com lets you listen live if you're outside our broadcast area. Uh, there's a link to our YouTube channel where we have all sorts of actual video interviews and travels around looking at interesting technologies and everything to do with renewables. But most importantly is the back catalog of shows there. We have 148 some odd shows now yeah. uh, that will basically tell you about anything and everything in renewables over the past three years so we've if, if, if it exists out there we've probably talked about it by now go in check out those old shows also you can get on the mailing list uh and finally podcast networks itunes stitcher tune in iheart etc etc all carry the solar coaster just look for a little orange and blue waveform logo 
There you go. There you go. We've got some great sponsors out there. Uh, in the studio with us, Fairwinds Wealth Management, Brian Thomas. Been navigating the world of uh, of the stock market over the course of the last two weeks. How are you doing? It's great, actually. Yeehaw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a year's <laughs> worth of activity in a week. So we'll get a chance to hear from uh, from Brian uh, momentarily uh, in our news and events section. Uh, also, Enduro Shield and Perfectly Clear Glass. You know, this is a coating manufacturer that is uh, uh, reducing the amount of soil and debris and, 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 and things that can kind of, you know, get in the way of light uh, getting to those panels. Really interesting technology. We're going to see more and more of this. And actually, thanks again to Gary for bringing us into contact with Sunit. Uh, the main focus of our show at ISP Solar. Also, Sundrum Solar, uh, you know, the folks at Sundrum Solar are doing really interesting things with heat sink uh, technology, heat pumps. Now, when you look at the uh, electrification of, uh, of of energy and all the things that are happening out there in this new energy space, uh, the, the notion heat pumps are actually a really key part of this conversation, especially the newest things that are happening. You know, replace or reducing the amount of gas we use for, uh, for our thermal needs, uh, reducing the amount of electricity we use for our air conditioning needs, and heat pumps and this type of technology, which is called PVT or uh, photovoltaic thermal, something at Sundrum has some really distinct uh, advantages and are doing really big, interesting projects throughout the world. Um, Pantech Design has been a, f a friend of the, the solar coaster for many uh, years now, and uh, they just launched a new video out in Texas uh, of the ADAPT energy system, coupled with the Sonin uh, uh, technology. Very cool stuff. Solar Edge from Q2 forward. We're going to see all the folks from Solar Edge out here in about two weeks' time if that hasn't changed. <laughs> so we'll see, talk to them soon. Really looking forward <laughs> to learning about the Solar Edge suite of technologies. They're rolling out something really special in 2020. Everything from EV chargers to new battery systems from their Kokum battery company acquisition out of Korea to um, whole house backup systems to load controllers. I mean, Solar Edge is doing some of the most interesting stuff in terms of like whole house, that whole ecosystem. They're really on the front edge of that. Uh, I'm so excited to learn about more and more about that stuff. So there you go, uh, folks. Let's jump over to our news and events. All right. World news. Um, Berlin has announced that they have a solar city master plan. I, I, don't, I don't like the fact that they use solar city because it's getting me confused. Solar city is actually an installer. That is but, confusing. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the solar city master plan for Berlin has eyes on putting 4.4 gigawatts of rooftop solar in by 2050. Now, do you think 2050? We're, we're in 2020 now. It's actually not that far away anymore. Uh, the interesting thing is that they're talking about it, and and apparently that 4.4 gigawatt would give them 25% of the city's total energy consumption, which which is a lot. You know, that that's that's a really significant number in an, an urban kind of setting and I, and I suppose you have to understand I, I've been to Berlin before and it's uh, European cities aren't quite designed the same way like mainland US cities are even even Oahu is is much more urban they have a lot of green space they have a lot of a lot of um, down space around around the cities um, and 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 it's not quite as as built up but still an, an, an urban setting where they can get 25 percent of their total energy needs off of rooftop solar guys <laughs> yeah you know um what's interesting here is you're you're looking at a full citywide plan and i assume this it says um outlines 27 measures in nine fields to accelerate solar expansion in berlin over the uh, yeah so you know, the, the, the notion of city planners uh, coming in and looking at what's the holistic approach to deploying as much renewable energy as they possibly can over a short period of time 
that is I'm, I'm not seeing a lot of that that's actually relatively new have we i don't remember covering any 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 articles in that jay no no really i mean the whole conversation at least in new york and 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 super urban environments like that is having like a community solar type thing where you have large farms outside of the city limits and they pump the energy in and everybody kind of gets a share of that that's that's kind of the way that large cities urban urban spaces have have been planning for this so it it, it's a different approach i like it i like the idea because you know if you think about what's happening right now and some of the opposition to how we're going about meeting our 100 percent rps you know there is a a notion of should we be talking about these locations earlier on should we be trying to find ways to you know give solid rationale why this spot was chosen rather than oh it was available and i could develop a lease with this particular uh, uh landowner and the, the 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 high tension the high the high voltage power lines were nearby and that's what i'm doing you know so if there's some uh yeah. it looks like there's gonna be a lot more foresight in the way berlin goes after this and i i, I can definitely see why that's a valuable step i like it yeah it should be a good plan okay um if we want to talk about the virus thing let's talk about the virus thing all right um Coronavirus has really spurred this this, um, lack of material uh, throughout the entire supply chain. And and it's in all industries, but they're having significant problems now in uh, sourcing equipment for both solar and especially wind. Uh, The reason why is because we simply have never been able to satisfy demand yet uh, for for these things. It's not like you can cancel an order somewhere for for a giant wind generator and just go to some other manufacturer and get one it's like everybody's booked out for years uh so so all of these problems are basically causing all projects to slow down uh is is it a real issue Uh, maybe maybe not i think it depends on how we handle it um you are going to get this generator in you're going to get it eventually uh the issue is a lot of these places they want to start generating power as soon as possible they need to get revenue in on their project and they have employees to pay so how how do they navigate this yeah is this a global issue here or is it we talking primarily about u.s projects it looks like this it's is global a US... no it's no it's, it's completely global mm. it's absolutely global every single every single manufacturer that i know of that makes large-scale wind generators and even to, to some extent the solar panels are are booked out and have full order for full order they, they can only make so much and they're still trying to generate we talk about new facilities coming online all the time right um they, they simply cannot make them fast enough no matter what. So this is slowing everybody down and it's, yeah. and it's gonna be something we have to, we have to deal with. There's gonna need to be some relief. Uh, I think there's, there's $1.5 trillion um, federal monies coming in so, for, for relief what, efforts. But yeah. What I start thinking about is the, what, you know, what are those, I mean, just from a developer's perspective, what are those contractual kind of steps look like at this stage? So the Minneapolis Star Tribune reported this month that a, a developer Invenergy LLC declared force majeure on its 300 megawatt yeah. Badger Hollow project. So that's a contractual term in terms of like what kind of liability they have under certain circumstances, right? So, and NextEra is doing similar with their 150 megawatt Two Creek Solar Farm. So, 
Yeah, I guess you're, you're sitting here saying, all right, well, these things are going to get delayed. It's going to affect contracts. It's going to affect revenue streams. It's going to affect financing. It's going to affect, uh, you know, if it's long, it could affect how, how states go about meeting their RPS. I mean, not this particular thing, but, a, a, you know, an accumulation of these types of things over time. So, um, yeah, I mean, geez. Uh, well, I think I, it, yeah, it's going to be significant across all sectors. And I, I, I don't think solar and wind are, are especially susceptible. Uh, except for the fact that, that like I said, all, all the manufacturers, even even if we didn't have this issue, they were already booked out. But we had mm. planned for those time, those those lead times. And now there's there are projects that have planned on being operational by the end of the year. They want to get their tax credits, et cetera, et cetera. Tax credits those are tax part credits of will be will 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 be will be expiring. Right. So if they're not operational, will will the government allow them to claim the tax credits because of extenuating circumstances or will they be out of luck? I mean, that, that might drive some projects <laughs> into financial difficulty. You know, this tax credit conversation is relevant. And uh, Jay, I don't know if you noticed it. We'll take a look. We didn't talk about it before the show, but Sonova, uh, a, a solar company in, I think based out of, I want to say Texas, uh, with with oil um, with leadership that has a background in the oil industry, they're supporting a bailout for the oil industry right now, but contingent upon an extension of the solar tax credits. <laughs> so, really, oh, nice. yeah, yeah, right. So this the issue of how tax credits are, are, are impacted by these types of supply chain things. Uh, are you know it's 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 there and it's already probably starting to you know be be looked at. So um very wow, wild stuff. Okay, which one's next? People are having that conversation. Let's just talk about storage, and I don't mean storage like for your home the utility scale storage is kind of the thing right we have these large utility scale solar installations or wind installations going in but the as we know the sun doesn't shine all the time the wind doesn't blow all the time and you have to have a way to balance that out so most folks are going with with chemical batteries these lithium technology batteries of different types uh that will be put out there and you get three or four hours the, the average now in hawaii is four hours worth of storage so you store four hours of worth of full power um, but but people are looking at lots of other innovative ways yeah. to get to, to store more energy somewhere. And some of the most interesting things that have crossed my desk recently was um, Dalai looking at a uh, actually a, a salt cavern in Utah that they want to fill with hydrogen. <laughs> the, right. The most interesting thing I've seen. I'm, I'm a big proponent of hydrogen, as you know, as a storage medium. I think it's much more stable than the, than the, the batteries. Um, and, and just to be able to fill this giant cavern full of hydrogen and then use it as, as they need would give them many, many, many more hours. However, it doesn't seem like a really good idea. <laughs> what, what, Jay, which, which periodical is it? I know I sent it to you this morning, but I'm looking for it right now. Uh, it? Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't actually have it in front of me. I'm just talking about it. Oh, I see. Um, but, um, so it doesn't, if it, do, you, do you really want to fill a natural giant cavern with possibly unique species and everything else with, with gas, <laughs> displace all the oxygen and kill everything in there? So they're I mean, talking, really about, that, they're that talking about literally storing that's, that's, green hydrogen in salt caverns. That's what you said, right? Correct. Yeah, giant giant solar array would generate, fractionate water, store the hydrogen over the daytime, and then they would burn it and create um, electricity with it over the uh, over the evening. Wow, has anything like this ever been done before, guys? I don't know. I mean, you know, when you think about we, well, small we, scale, sure. <laughs> well, we learned about hydrogen from Hank from Hank Rogers over there in Big Island, and he had that yep. um, yeah. that system set up over at that ranch. I can't remember the name of the ranch, but you know all those amazing kind of new energy uh, science projects. And then you know there's a we all have this um, fear, somewhat irrational, of hydrogen. 
And then when he goes and he puts it into a little uh, a little solar cooker, a regular a regular a regular cooker, uh, like a, it looks like a propane tank with like a stove. You see, he tells you about how it moves 65 what is it feet per second uh, up vertical as opposed Vertically. to propane that can pool. You know, he talks about the relative safety of these things. But something like this, I mean, geez, the the notion of uh, storing green hydrogen in this vast kind of uh, cavern. I, I mean, just the, the question I have is: Is it cheaper than other solutions? And is it is it possibly safe? That's it. <laughs> yeah, cheaper. I don't know. Safe. Um, I mean, I, I would think it would probably be relatively safe. I'm just wondering about the the, the ecological impact of doing something like that. Are we destroying some species um, in the caverns? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those 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 ecosystems are unique. Each and every one of them. And and I wouldn't I wouldn't want to see that destroyed for. Nothing. That's a, that's a question um, for the biologist the, from last week's show. And, and how do they make sure it's yeah, sealed up, so. you know? Right. How do you make sure it's sealed up? For and, sure. And what, if, what if there's like a little uh, fissure that runs out along the way and you don't oh, know exactly. that it exists. And then all of a sudden there's a camper there with a campfire and... Boom. So uh, hydrogen is a pretty small molecule, as I understand it. <laughs> or, right? It's pretty small. So, uh, yep. yeah, I don't think it's yep. going to be... Uh, yep. Easy to contain. Yeah, what a strange idea, frankly. <laughs> what a strange idea. Yeah, and yeah then, it's just well, an odd, odd, odd concept. And then the other, the other interesting one that's come by recently was a large um, old iron mine near uh, Joshua Tree uh, National Park. And that actually makes more sense. Is there's these two giant old mines. They were originally removed from the park uh, by the federal government to facilitate the, the basically strip mining of, of iron. And they've long since been mined out. And they're, now they're just two big giant holes in the ground. And so what they want to do now, and this is, this is actually a next era project, by the way. They've right. got a, a little um, the Eagle uh, Energy Power, whatever the company's name is, I apologize, um, wants to be able to pump water from a low reservoir up to these large holes in the ground and then let it drain out during the evening or when, when they don't have uh, renewable sources and basically hydropower from like a regular dam um, just spinning constantly but it's a closed loop so they would just pump it up and then bring it back again and generate the generate the uh, the power that way which makes a lot of sense i was interested to find out that it actually costs a lot more to do this construction mm. Then, and I don't, and I, and there's, and there's no, then, then, yeah, then, then lithium technology batteries, but you do get a lot more. They estimate probably about 18 hours worth of full power use out of out of the generator facility like this, which is con contrasted to like four hours worth of lithium battery. So it's a lot more energy over time. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I like, I mean, I like pump hydro, you know, when I was in Hoover Dam earlier, but like what, a month or two ago uh, after Vegas CES, the, um, they had this kind of hybrid educational display and it showed, you know, the, the, the damming system, the locks, and then uh, the turbines, and then it also showed wind and solar around it. But to, in my mind, it kind of, I, it struck my, my curiosity was kind of peaked at this whole idea. And then if, you can see how certain efficiencies can be arrived at by integrating these different technologies. They can do different things. So, you know, if you have more solar in that space and you had the infrastructure in place, then you could levelize and change the, not only for energy purposes, but also because the levels can get out of whack. Like right now, the Mead, Lake Mead is lower than it's ever been before, right? So it's like if they can mm -hmm. pump, enter, pump water over up up to it, they can level it back up to its optimal space, you know, for whatever reasons. You know, maybe it's not just simply energy. But um, the, the notion of pumped hydro is exciting. It's just a matter of costing. And I can understand why it would yeah. be expensive uh, to, to, to do that. But it could be an important piece of the puzzle. I, I don't know if there's yeah. been, I haven't seen any huge pumped hydro projects 
uh, come online. There's, and all there's of our 60 events. of them right now across the United States. I, okay. I looked I looked them up. There's 60 different projects that are in, in various stages. This one in particular, I, I kind of like it. We, t- we just talked about the, the, the environmental impact kind of thing. And like I said, this is this is an old um, just iron strip mine. <laughs> it's not a nice place. Highly disturbed. Uh, there's there's nothing here besides some some sheep and some tortoises but even um th- th- there's a nice quote in this la times article alice carl is a a, a tortoise expert for the desert tortoise mm. um out there and and even she says this seems like a good use of two big holes in the ground <laughs> i like it i like it <laughs> so hey if really, you can take really really nice quote yeah if you can take compromised land that's been compromised for whatever purpose and then repurpose it towards something like renewables there's a lot of opportunity in there and uh, brian i think we talked a little bit about some of the the uh, incentives that can exist above and beyond tax credits when you take advantage of you know when you get, get a hold of land like that and then you start to repurpose it and make it you know useful so indeed very good all right jay what do you think can we head over to uh, uh, uh julia's microgrid uh story I would love I would love to. Go ahead. All right, Juju. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'm looking at this article by Hawaii Business Magazine about a, a community for formerly homeless people in Oahu. Um, I'm sorry if I get this name wrong, but I think it's Kahauki Village. Yeah. I think that's what it's called. And it's um, basically the village has its own independent mi- power grid or microgrid um, as powered by solar panels, a battery, and a backup generator. Uh, the village only draws power from the utility when there's not enough sunlight, but they basically operate off the island, island-wide grid 98% of the time. Um, yeah. It, this is very cool. And, Julia, you know, this has been in a couple of documentaries recently. This is a really innovative project that meets the needs, meets a number of needs for the community. I mean, on the one hand, you've got this really exciting uh, dis- kind of model for how to take a small community and create energy independence through a, a microgrid scenario. And some of our colleagues and, and guest speakers on the show have been uh, quoted here. Ted Peck, for example, from Holo Ho is quoted as you know defining a microgrid and some other people from Hawaiian Electric that we know. So it's really kind of like a shining star kind of project. And at the same time, of course, it was built by this uh, this this businessman, I, I don't have his name in front of me right now, but a, uh, a really kind of super successful businessman that wanted to create an environment that is uh, to, to address this this homeless homelessness issue, which is huge, you know, for us in Hawaii. So I, I just I love this story, and I think that it's really uh, amazing that he was able to. And he's kind of like a a really um, no nonsense businessman, get it done kind of guy, right? And he's just like, I'm going to make this thing happen. We're going to uh, put together a microgrid. And you, can, you know all the permitting hurdles he must have gone through just to build those tiny houses and then put the solar panels on, put the batteries on. Each of those is a difficult step. It's all brand new. Cool stuff. I mean, we, I'd love to see something like that in Maui. And this is and this is exactly the way I want to see a microgrid working like across all the islands. Uh, you really should be not completely cut off from the grid. You don't want to be independent because when your equipment is down, it's down. But you just depend on your your neighbors and if the larger grid is cut off well it's okay you're still supporting each other in the little community that you're in the microgrid community um i mean it's just a fantastic way of working 
It's very cool. Uh, and then they, you know, talk a little bit about Puerto Rico here and about some of the challenges there. You know, a lot of these these ideas, like that notion of a microgrid, has been extended to the grid build structure as well. We talked to Kyle Data, I think New Energy Partners maybe is the company he's working with presently, and they talked about creating these kind of microgrids throughout Puerto Rico. So when one is what one one is compromised, you know, that the others will be able to continue to function. And um, yeah, yeah, and, and it adds resiliency to the grid too because it there's uh, sort of a distributed aspect to it. Yeah, it is. It's it's distributed and it's uh, it's very much as resiliency. So uh, okay, thank you, Juju. Is there anything more to talk about here? Um, not really. That's basically it. Okay, cool. So let's jump over to Brian. Brian, I know uh, we didn't talk about anything like really necessarily specific for today, but I imagine that you are filled with all kinds of crazy experiences from the week that you just experienced. What, what what's going on? Yeah. So I've traded uh, and managed money in the '98 crash and the tech crash and the great financial crisis. And this one, the speed of which it unfolded from the very highs of the market, you know, early February or so was, was amazing. And uh, I mean, I don't want to get into it too much. This is a renewable energy show, but we did talk about ESG investing. We talked about the renewable energy ETFs, ticker symbol PBW. And then we talked about risk management and the whole, you know, those were the, the TAN was another ETF we talked about. That was the number one performing sector in the U.S. market last year, number one in the world, basically. And when you have something that rises that fast, it's inevitable that as the market pulls back, that's going to that's going to dip more. So that was down about 35 percent from peak to trough or so. And, you know, solar energy isn't going away and renewable is still going to get uh, attention and, and ESG environmental social governance money's going to flow into that so um the high flyers did pull back a little bit more they're starting to find a base here you know there is it's unequivocal that this will change how we do business going forward and so uh everyone's still in wait and see mode but you know the market was up huge today and the swings at nine percent in a day are just it's it's radical but i just talked about risk management and have a process to manage risk and so we've been in a lot of cash uh and when you're in cash, that's a position, and that's a position that affords you the luxury of just looking at stuff, waiting for it to unfold, and and it really is a beneficial and and uh, sleep at night position, and you know because then right. you can go shopping, right? And then you can see what sectors are going to emerge from this, and it may or may not be renewables, but they were the ones that were the leaders coming into this, so. Right, and that 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 adds that kind of brings you to an interesting conversation. Uh, you know, a stock like Exxon, I understand, is dividends are around eight and a half percent, and historically lows low in the shares. Like, I mean, the price of oil is what, like around thirty or something right now. Right, I mean, I mean, and there's there's you know you've got Russia and Saudi Arabia kind of battling, and and so I mean, coming like, out of this kind of cash position, you could be looking at you might be looking at renewables, you might be looking at those ETFs that we were talking about over the last few months and the historic rise of the ETFs, right? Like the TAN and, and, and all of these kinds of guys. I was looking at those like Guggenheim Solar Index is what TAN is. Is that right? Yeah. The same thing. So, yeah. But are, they're down maybe 20 or 30% from their peaks, something right. like that. Yeah. So they could be a good buy to get involved with those guys now. If, if we were, I, I was looking at those those thinking, oh, I know Enphase is great. I know Solar Edge is great. These guys, these big buckets of TAN, a, a big participants of the bucket of stocks that is TAN. And I was thinking, oh, I missed it. But well, it, now maybe now's a good time to get involved with that. Yeah. Here, here's something to think about. I mean, I've never seen this before, right? I've been in the business since 98. As if you, if you look at stock as measured by the PE ratio, price of, a, of the share that you're paying for 
over the earnings. What's that company going to earn? And that forms the P-E ratio. And one thing, and this is, I've never seen it talked about this, but when the, the numerator, the E, falls faster than the price, the P-E ratio actually is higher. So some people think, oh, the stock's down, it's cheaper. But if the E falls faster than the P, and the earnings are falling, for some, not, not necessarily for uh, maybe some of the solar companies. So earnings to price should say, hey, people value this very high. Right? Is that what you're saying? Well, and then if it goes down, it's you would think the price would come down too, but it's not. But, but no, the price is coming down, right? Mm -hmm. And so the P is is up top, right? And and the E is under that. But if the E falls faster, if the earnings are falling faster than the share it's price, a thing. Okay. the stock's getting more expensive. Mm. You know, on a PE basis, on a price to earnings basis. And we saw that with like a Cisco in the tech crash, the E, the earnings were falling dramatically. Even though the share price was coming down, people thought it was getting cheaper. It's getting cheaper in share price, but in valuation on a PE ratio, it was actually higher priced. I see, I see. So it's an interesting dynamic, but there are, there and, are like- and, and, that, and that falls right into what I was talking about the head of the show, where we have all these supply chain disruptions. We won't know until next quarter what the E is gonna be. <laughs> 100%, and then also Jay, if you're, if you're a CEO or, Stuff you're gonna you're gonna kitchen sink every problem that you've got into this opportunity, and you're just gonna you're gonna throw everything to lower your guidance down. Like every problem, whether it's supply chain, which is real, but every other problem, you're gonna you're gonna throw it in to to lower your guidance. Gotcha. So 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 they're mm -hmm. gonna push that down, and so uh, you know, but it is real. Like and again, I pointed people out last time to macrovoices.com. Those guys were on it. I knew. And I mean, there's some of the smartest people out there, but I knew about the, the asymptomatic transmission and, and it's just being at that higher level of sort of knowledge. Right. And it didn't come from mainstream media. You won't get it from mainstream media. You've got to get off the path a little bit. Okay, there you go. Brian Thomas, Fairwinds Wealth Management. We'll be talking more to him uh, as this all unfolds. Do you want to, uh, just before we go over to commercial break, I want to call attention to two quick things. One, Rising Sun issued a press release. Rising Sun is a solar installer here in Maui. It was on Big Island uh, now, and it talked all about uh, how a solar business is going to conduct itself in, in, in compliance with the guidelines issued by the CDC. I thought it was really uh, amazing to see how the solar industry is evolving to, uh, to continue in business. So kudos to those guys for that. And then a friend of mine uh, sent us a, a link to a, a, a really cool technology. It's a EV charger. It's called Decibel. DC Bell. Jay was joking about that name there. We're going to try to cover this in the future. We don't have time right now, but this is a very exciting thing to check out. Google it. DC Bell. It's a uh, uh, DC fast charger. Very cool things. Okay, we're going to head over to our commercial break. Come right back with Sunit from ISP Solar. Enduro Shield glass protection is the cost-effective way to help protect your PV investment reduce cleaning needs, and help maximize power production. EnduroShield prevents etching, helps reduce soiling and debris buildup. At only two molecules thick, EnduroShield is optically clear, UV transparent. A one-time application provides up to 10 years of durability. To learn more about the coating, visit EnduroShield.com solar. You can request factory application or on-site by certified technicians like the team at Perfectly Clear. In Hawaii and for on-site applications in Western U.S., visit PerfectlyClear.glass or call Gary at 808-280-9422. That's 808-280-9422. 
Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system, combined photovoltaic and thermal, holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. All right, those were our wonderful sponsors. Thank you very much to each and every one of them for helping keep the solar coaster on the tracks. Uh, I do want to mention that we have a mystery sponsor floating around uh, the studio these days. I I am totally serious. Someone out there is, uh, so, is is being supportive of the Solar Coaster anonymously. So whoever you are, from the bottom of our heart, thank you very much uh, for supporting the Solar Coaster. Uh, that being said, we're going to jump over to our main show focus. We're here with Sunit from ISP Solar. Sunit, can you hear us okay? I, I can, Josh. Uh, aloha. Aloha, aloha. Welcome to the show, Sydney. Now, Sydney, where are you calling in from? I am in Toronto, Canada. All right. Love Toronto. We were talking about that this morning. So, uh, Sunit, very excited to, to talk with you. Uh, I know we share some you know, common passions, the renewable energy industry, but also the ideas about how to democratize this energy, get it out there into everybody around the world. Tell us a little bit about yourself, about your company, about uh, you know, how you got to this place in time. So this is uh, one of a number of ventures my brother and I have done in our careers. We, right out of school, started with our very first venture in the days prior to the Internet, uh, making, of all things, fax machines for engineering documents. Uh, that company did well. We, we ended up taking public on the NASDAQ. We, we did uh, a number of other ventures over that subsequent period over the last 30 years, uh, two that ended up going public on the NASDAQ, one on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Uh, between us, we have now well over 100 U.S. patents, and that's what we do. We, we develop technologies and uh, bring them to market, uh, things that, that generally we think have, have a, a broader impact on humanity uh, is sort of where our focus is. Uh, our last venture, we were focused on trying to deliver the Internet into low-bandwidth uh, areas of developing countries, primarily for the purposes of education. So, so we spent a lot of time uh, trying to brace pri uh, break price barriers uh, and deliver internet into sort of the, you know, the, 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 the extreme regions of the world where uh, it just wasn't economical for most telecom operators and others to, to function in. Okay. And now, we, <laughs> we, we, and now we're doing solar. Uh, where we, you know, the, those years of, of uh, placing low-cost tablets and smartphones and educational content and internet access in those areas showed us that, uh, the, the, that uh, you know, until you solve the, the energy puzzle, uh, you, you really can't impact extreme poverty. And uh, for that reason, solar became a, uh, and energy became a, generally became a big focus for us uh, over the last few years. We developed a product, and now we're bringing that to market. 
Okay, so you approach this from a perspective of having taken a, a number of products public and other companies public and having a, a bunch of patents in different industries and recognizing the importance of energy as kind of this foundational uh, tool to, to eradicate poverty. Is that what I just heard? Because that's... It, I, it, <laughs> it, it, it is. And, you know, we, we, we had tried to use technology as a way of impacting education with the belief that the way to impact poverty had to be through education, that that if you can eliminate illiteracy, um, that you can make a big impact yeah. uh, on those people's lives. Um, and and, and you know, that venture uh, grew. It, it grew, it became, uh, in, in a number of developing countries, specifically in India, it became the largest supplier. Uh, we became the largest supplier of tablet computers, um, beating out Apple and Samsung by a factor of two uh, for many years. Uh, and um, while the business in itself got disrupted as, as uh, other products became very, very inexpensive, but, uh, you know, five, six years ago, we were doing uh, tablets for tablet computers, primarily for education, but, you know, at a, at a $35 price point right. with a year of Internet access bundled into that, in these developing countries and in targeting people who are earning 200 bucks a month. And having spent many, many years in those environments, we, we realized that price matters. And we realized that to impact the lives of those people, uh, abundant access to affordable energy is key. And affordable, not for you and me, affordable for, for those whose families live on 200 bucks a month which makes up well over half of this world, uh, you know, half of the global population. You know, the opportunities that are presented and being able to, well, first of all, that mindset is so interesting, right? It's not like uh, necessarily, hey, what, what can we make that's going to be the most, the, the, the fastest thing to, to go public with? But what can we make that's going to have the biggest delta, the biggest kind of impact on the world? I love that kind of thinking. I think that's amazing. Uh, and of course, I, like I said to you I've, uh, this morning, I, I, I share that that idea of you know energy is this kind of foundational tool that can make make arguably one of the biggest differences in people's lives throughout the world. There's a couple of these big things that, for example, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation are doing interesting things in sanitation and different areas. But energy is definitely one of those foundational conversations. So you, that's a great story, uh, Sunit, and I'm really excited to get a sense for how you move. Now, it, folks, it, the, the 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 solar panel that we're looking at. It, it, when you look at it, you wouldn't necessarily think, oh, that's a solar panel, right? It, it looks fundamentally different from what we know to be a solar panel today. So uh, this, how, tell us how you came about. Is this your first product? I noticed there were some other products on your website. And then how did you come about this? What was some of the math that you did when you were looking at that huge population of the world that needed this type of technology that uh, helped you arrive at this particular uh, design and model for this tech? So we, we've done a couple of other iterations um, off this before we, we decided that this would be the the, the version that, that would be right for sort of a mass market rollout. Uh, we also had a hybrid product uh, which provides energy and heats water, sort of a, a thermal kind of a version of, of this product. But really the, the intent was to try to figure out um, why you, the traditional concentration type technologies have not succeeded with solar? Uh, as you're aware, you know panels in the market today are maybe 17, 18 percent, coming around 20 percent on the higher end panels, and maybe that was 15 percent five years ago, 
and and that incremental improvement in in performance um, has has been has taken a huge amount of research, but the, the reality is that those cells, if you shine the equivalents of a hundred suns on them, will produce a hundred times what they're producing today. Right. So the idea that you could replace expensive photovoltaic with inexpensive mirrors is not something brand new. But nobody has really been able to do it cost-effectively where the cost of that kind of a solution competes with a traditional uh, photovoltaic panel. And that's what puzzled us, that as the industry tries to improve performance and reduce costs, it, it is natural to assume that that uh, that you know silver coating chrome coating on 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 a foil will always be less expensive mm. than what it takes to make a whole pv panel and if you can focus intensify energy uh and replace expensive pv with inexpensive uh, mirrors uh that th- that's the direction to go it just seemed like a, com- a lot of common sense to us but we couldn't figure out why the rest of this industry hadn't been able to do that. Right. So, so we created this module where we, we now use 120th the amount of PV cells, and we uh, replace expensive PV with affordable mirrors in a conic, uh, conical kind of a shape. So think of a module that has six parallel troughs, and these troughs are mirrored on the inside and focus that energy and intensify that energy to an array at the middle of that trough. Uh, and that's what the module looks like. Um, and, and that's what we ended up doing is creating something that will give you a similar performance, maybe 10, 15% better than a traditional module for, from the same amount of area. But cost literally half of what the least expensive module uh, coming out of China might. All right. There's a, there's a lot there, and it's very, uh, very. I, I get it. I get it. There There's this, you recognize that you can amplify the amount of sunlight you get on these cells, and they're going to just increase the amount of power they produce, right? So why can't it be done? When Why can't it be? Uh, and, and then you went ahead and did it. So what are some of the, the technical advances that you had to uh, you had to kind of get through in order to make it work, and then just tell us a little bit about the product itself. I'm, I'm, I myself am having a little bit of a hard time mapping out the the power and the efficiencies and the cost of, of the entire package. Can you just give us a sense of exactly what it looks like? Sure. So um, the, this is uh, uh, something that's about five inches thick, so it's, it's thicker than a traditional panel. Um, and so, so we we're more we will more often call it a module instead of panel, um, and uh, think of a, a glass encased uh, module about five inches thick, and uh, a hat, uh, six uh, troughs that run parallel to each other uh, that that are sitting side by side, and they focus uh, you know the focal point becomes the array that's in the middle of each trough. And these troughs then move based on the relative position of the sun uh, to, f- to focus energy as 
as, as time changes. Are they moving so, um, based on like data, or are they moving based on? Are they using light to ch to, to to move servos, or what, what's the mechanism that's so, moving? It? So, so we we end up uh, sort of calibrating them once once you set them up, and then after that, it's just based on lookup tables. Once you know uh, the position based on how you set it up. Uh, you, you sort of know from that onwards exactly where uh, the relative location of the sun's going to be forever. So, and, and it's a single. Going, is it, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but is it a single? Is it? Could you say this is a single axis tracking device, or is it a? Is it uh, ex moon? Exactly. So, so it's tilt mounted, and then it has an encapsulated single axis tracking within the module itself. Um, and and that's part of what allowed the cost to be significantly lower than traditional tracking or traditional concentration type solutions because the module itself doesn't move. So the module is fixed mount and these very thin foils that uh, intensify the light within the module that are encapsulated within that module. Uh, the module has an inert gas that ensures there's no condensation and so on and they're moved by a small stepper motor. And the stepper motor has a uh, life cycle that's greater than the life of the PV in, in there. So the stepper motor will easily last uh, well over 30, 40 years. Um, and they move in very, very small increments um, to focus energy onto that array. So exciting! What an interesting uh, technology. I just, I can't. I want to. I want to see it right in front of us. You know. Uh, so <laughs> let, let's. Uh, let me ask you this: What What is the wattage? What is the size? Uh, the area, and then what is the wattage? And then what do you so, foresee the cost being? Or you know, can you talk about that at all? Sure. So the the um, uh, the. You've got to look at it from an area perspective, and I apologize if my figures are in metric and your readers <laughs> okay. may or may not be as familiar with those as comparison, but a traditional module is about two square meters. Mm. Uh, our, our current version of this is a 0.4 square meter module, so it's one-fifth the size of a traditional module, and, and you, you end up putting five of these together. Right. Each one of these produces about 85 watts. Okay. So in two square meters, it'll produce around 400, 405 watt. So it'll okay. be the equivalent of a module that's around producing 405 watt Got for it. two square meters. Got it. Okay. So when you compare size to size, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a 405 watt module. Gotcha. And, it, and Sunit, uh, is, that, is that where you came up with the, it says on your tear sheet, it says same performance, half the price. Is that, that's based on the... Uh, the footage, essentially. The area, sure. right? That, gotcha. that uh, what what a traditional module will produce, and, and and what this will produce, uh, because price really is measured by wattage. Because it, it's not what your module costs; it's how much energy you produce for the, you know for the cost of that product. Yep. Yep. I wonder. You know, it's 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 such an interesting idea. The notion of something that tracks being on a roof or on someone's home. So this, I assume, is a residential product, or could be a commercial product, or is it across the board? Could it be resi commercial it, and utility? It's it's primarily intended for commercial and utility scale projects. Uh, we, we've not sort of thought through what makes it most suitable for a residential environment. At some point, we may end up bringing it into the residential market, but. I envision that at least the next couple of years that we will be primarily focused on 
commercial and, and institutional scale projects, um, either ground mounts or flat roofs and, and those kinds of environments, uh, we, we think that this will be, be most suited. I mean, it could be used, of course, anywhere, uh, but our target market would really be those segments for the next, uh, you know, in the initial phases of this business. We're very early within this business. We have a number of trials ongoing, but the sort of open commercial rollout is not expected until September or October this year. Very interesting stuff. So are you looking at traditional racking solutions? Are there special racking solutions? I mean, does it matter? So, yeah, so the intent is to use traditional racking solutions to not have to change anything right. along the, the billet systems. That the, the rest of the supply chain uh, should require no new learning curve, no new change, same, same inverters, same cabling, same everything else. Um, it, 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 you just mount it, set it up in the same kind of way, and, and away you go. I, I, I'm, as you said, the word curve, I started to think about like the, the overall uh, curve of a, of a building, the energy curve throughout the day. Are you getting, are you seeing that you're getting, because of that tracking ability, I guess if you, I tend to think of it mounting, maybe like in Maui, it's 21 degrees north latitude, so it might be mounting south, pitched south, and then it's going to be, you know, piv, uh, positioning those conical mirrors or positioning themselves uh, east in the morning to be able to capture that sun, and then over in west in the, in the afternoon, right? That's kind of how it's working right exactly i mean it, it'll move along during the day to make sure that based on where the sun is that the, the array in the middle of these these conical troughs is uh, where the focal point is so for a building from a building perspective typically you're not using you don't have the luxury of using uh tilt uh, um, uh tracking and so if you had tracking on a building, now you're going to have this really steep energy curve in the morning in the east, right? When it's, when it's capturing that sun, it's going to turn over, it's going to grab that sun, and you're going to get a really high vertical curve, I would suspect. Is it, are you seeing that kind of stuff? So we're seeing significantly better performance for the reason that, that you know, we're almost optimum all day long. Right. Um, and, you know, when you, when you think of tracking, of the, you generally can't do tracking on most uh, rooftop kind of environments. That becomes difficult. Yeah. And uh, tracking traditionally takes up a lot of space uh, to deal with shadow and so on. Uh, it, you know, solutions that, uh, especially in ground mount kind of environments where you have tracking, it, you generally need either 50% or 100% more space uh, than if you had a fixed mount. Here, it is the same amount of space as what a traditional fixed mount panel would take. You can butt them right next to each other all the way across. And, uh, you know, it, 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 from a tracking perspective, you end up taking a lot less space than what a traditional panel tracking kind of array would, would take. Got it, got it. Very exciting technology. Um, Brian, what do you think? Anything it, yeah, very cool, very cool. Is the array in the trough, is it just a typical solar array, or is there something special about that? It looks pretty narrow, too. Yeah, so it's very narrow. We, we, we To be able to ensure that we are using something that's uh, long life, off the shelf, comes with warranty insurance and all that kind of stuff, we use a market available 24.3% uh, efficiency uh, wafer and we create an array from that. Okay. So we end up laser cutting it, creating an array. We have some patented technology around how we deposit uh, conductors and bus bars on them to improve the efficiency uh, of and, and to reduce the resistance 
of the current flow because you know, now we're carrying 20 times more current than what those wafers were originally intended for. So th there is sort of unique technology that allows that to function in that manner. Um, and the, the advantage is that as technology changes out there, our ability to get higher performance uh, PV uh, or lower cost PV is there. You know, as, as the market changes, we can change along with the market. I see. Um, and while we're using off-the-shelf PV, our, you know, uh, we have to modify it in a manner that, that it's suitable for this and still be able to function at the manufacturer's targeted uh, operating temperatures. When you intensify light 20 times, uh, obviously heat goes up also. And so you, you've got to create mm -hmm. unique mechanisms to dissipate heat um, and, and, and that's all part of sort of what you have to overcome when creating a technology like this. Amazing. Jay, are you there, buddy? Can you hear us okay? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that, that, that was one of the things, it started talking about heat. Uh, I'm an engineering guy. I come from an engineering family. I'm going to be the skeptic in the room. I want to give you a chance to respond to that. So when I, when I look at this, I see, ooh, mechanical. Um, you, you mentioned neutral gas. I mean, this is box like hermetically sealed. <laughs> have you done environmental yeah, testing for a long exactly time? Thermal it. stress is going to be you, a huge you, issue. You have to be, I see. Um, <laughs> just because you have to avoid condensation, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And 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 I realize that that there is some some resistance to the idea of mechanical. Um, you know, there, there's this tendency that that if it's solid state, it's simple, and we don't need to worry about it. But we also know that cells deteriorate, that PV has a certain life. And the duty cycle of the kind of motors we end up using in this, and these motors are within the modules, so they're not exposed to the elements. The duty cycles in those will allow for a life that is greater than the, mo than the PV itself. So we're not sure. worried about mechanical, and for, for, for you know, a 25, 30 year life, I don't think that the customer should be. Reality is today, uh, there are many mechanical items in our lives that last well over 25 years. Cars that get exposed to a lot of things up here in Canada, for example, that get exposed to lots of different kind of weather and salt and so on. Um, you know, many cars will last well over 25 years. Here, these are stepper motors uh, that are intended for 10-year lives at all right. at, at so something like you know 3,000 RPM, eight hours a day, that are moving one increment uh, a minute for X number of hours a day. I, I love it, Sunit. So, Unfortunately, that's our, uh, our our cue that we've ran out of time here. Uh, I think that it was really amazing to hear about your new technology, and I want to be able to keep in touch with you. Follow this uh, new tech as you take it forward. Maybe we're going to see a revolution in solar panels. So thank you so much for uh, taking the time to meet with us today. Hey, thanks for having me on, Josh. Good talking to you guys. Aloha. 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 All right, folks, this solar coaster, we are sponsored by uh, Sundrum Solar, uh, Enduro Shield, Perfectly Clear Glass, Fairburns Wealth Management, a bunch of other great companies. Thank you very much for your uh, attention today. Have a wonderful weekend and Aloha Friday.